Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Psalm 107. I want you to turn back there. We were just there. Psalm 107. On Wednesday night, I'm going to pick this back up, Psalm 107. So we've already covered in three different parts already what we're talking about relating to the very stripes of Jesus that is providing healing for us. And we are primarily focused on the healing of the body. Why is that so important? I'm going to tell you what, man. If you don't have a healed body, guess what else it affects? Your mind. It affects how you think. It affects what you think. It affects, it affects your ability to think and function normally. There's so much related to what a lot of people don't think of as it relates to natural healing in the body, physical healing of the body, I should say, not natural physical healing from God that affects almost every other part of your life. If we are not healthy and physically, in context physically wise in our bodies, then guess what we can't do? We can't do what's necessary to provide for our family. We can't serve God the way he wants us to. Not only that, how I many you know it can cost you a lot of money? Thank God for doctors. I'm going to keep saying it. <clears throat> Thank God for what they do. But I'm going to tell you what, walking in healing and health will save you a bunch of money. You don't have to live on, per, on prescriptions. You don't have to go to doctors all the time. You don't have to go through all that stuff. Nothing wrong with regular visits and stuff. Uh, and again, nothing wrong with anybody going through something. I'm just trying to explain something. Why don't we do our best to get a hold of what God has that will help us in every way? And I'll guarantee you what a blessing it is to know that this is a part of our covenant promise. So we've already talked about this in multiple verses as it relates to Jesus, our Passover lamb, relating to what we know as communion. What did the Passover lamb for the children of Israel represent back in the times of Egypt? Us being freed from the world, coming out from the very effects of death itself. How did death get into the world? Through sin. We saw in Romans chapter 5, because of sin, death came. What's involved in death? Sickness and disease. Every work of evil, everything that was not here on the planet before Adam and Eve sinned. There was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no suffering in the context of the natural, not even in the physical, in the sense of in the soulish part of their mind. What all that resulted of was an effect of sin that is now known as death. But that's why we've been given life. We've been given the opposite. And thank God we can walk in that Zoe life. And we walk in Zoe life, guess what we get free from? Death. That includes disease and sickness. So I know a lot of people today still kind of struggle with this. That's why we're teaching on it. Because the truth is, it's our right as a child of God. What we have to recognize in that Passover lamb is what they did. We relate to what Jesus did for us. So for death to pass them by, to come out of Egypt, what did they have to do? They had to eat all of a lamb. They had to take a lamb, unblemished, roasted in fire, eat the whole thing. What does that represent to me and you? Jesus is the word. John chapter 1, he's the word. What do we do? We accept all of what God says we have in our covenant. If you want to walk in the benefit of death passing you by, you don't want to pick and choose certain things you believe. Why not believe everything? Why not take everything God has for you? Not getting very many amens this morning. I'm going to tell you right now, what a blessing to know. God didn't pick and choose and say, well, you can have this and this, but not this. No, he's not a respecter of persons. 
all the promises of God. I mean, this is in the New Testament of the book of Corinthians, second chapter. All the promises of God are, a little louder, please. Yes. Yes. So if you're asking God, can I have this promise? What's the answer from God? Yes. To which we have to give our what? Our amen. Or in other words, so be it for me. We have to exercise our faith for it. It's already been provided. We just receive it by faith. So realize you and I got to understand that what they did by faith is they did what God told them to do. They simply honored what God said. They ate the lamb. They then took part of the blood of that lamb. They put it on the two side door posts and over the top. And as they did, guess what happened? Death passed them by. You and I now have Jesus as our Passover lamb who gave his body for us. And shed his blood so that blood could be placed over our lives, right? The doorpost of our lives. And if we understand how to apply that, guess what has to happen? Some of you got it. I mean, come on, we're only in part four. I could still keep preaching the same messages if you want me to go back. So we, uh, we recognize all the word says. We learn how to apply the blood of God to our life. And when we do, what will happen? That includes sickness and disease. Doesn't mean it doesn't come knocking on your door. But you can tell it not here. Just go on down the highway, praise God. Because Jesus is my Lord, not you. So we got to recognize this. Psalm 107. In Psalm 107, we have a very clear indication from God here in the scriptures. Jesus being the word himself being sent to us in the New Testament. That he would come and bring our healing. If you'll pick this up with me in Psalm 107, 15. God said here in the Psalms, all that men would do what? Give thanks to the Lord. Tell me why. Tell me why. For his goodness. Say God's good. He is a good God. All that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Meaning what? What held us in bondage, he's provided a way for us to be delivered from. Verse 17, fools, because of their transgression, their sins, and because of their inequities, they were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They drew near to the gates of death. But notice this 19, then they did what? What did they do? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he did what? Ignored them and let them suffer. Because he wanted to teach them something. Nope. What did it say he did? Shout it out loud. He saved them what? Come on, tell me out loud. Out of their distresses. Out of of all that was distressing them, all they did is call upon the Lord and he saved them. The word saved is delivered. He delivered them out. Watch this, 20. He even sent his word and did what? He healed them. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So the destructions was the result of their sins. But it also says clearly here that they were afflicted in body. What else did he do? Healed their body. Now, if God would provide that for the children of Israel under the Old Testament, we have a covenant that the Bible says clearly found on better promises. If, if our covenant is not better than what they had, we need to go back to the Old Covenant. Amen. There'd be no reason for creating a new one if the new one's not better, but it is. Amen. Now, the cool part about this, if you'll back up with me to the first part of the psalm, he actually refers to Jesus, our Redeemer. <clears throat> Anywhere in the Old Testament... Where the Bible references redemption, it's speaking prophetically of what Jesus would come to do. Redeemed again, so I can explain this very clear for everybody. 
Redeemed would be, I have become, in the, in the context of the day that Jesus lived, they understood this clearly because there were some, slaves were still bought and sold. And of course, even in this country, sadly, for a number of years. But somebody was bought by somebody else, became their slave. But you know what somebody could do? They could pay the ransom. Say ransom. Say ransom. A little louder, please. They, I'm going to keep you awake. So they could pay the ransom for that individual. Say that slave owner wanted to sell them. And many did. Many have done this. They would pay the money to purchase that person. But you know what they would do? They wouldn't take them as a slave. They'd say, you're free, man. Go do what you want. You're free. You don't have to serve anybody anymore. I've ransomed you from this owner. Meaning what? That guy can't come back and put you back in bondage. That guy cannot come back and put you under his control. I ransomed you. That's the word redeemed. When Jesus died for us, gave his body, Passover lamb, shed his blood, guess what he did? He paid a price. You're going to see it today. He paid a dear price. What was that price to do? Redeem us. So maybe a better way for us to be reminded of it, because it's what the word means if you look it up. He ransomed us. Say he ransomed us. Now I have a question. Why would I need, why would you need to be ransomed if we weren't under somebody else's control? There would be no reason for Jesus to come pay this dear price for us if we weren't somehow affected under the control of the fall by the actual effects of Satan, who is now the Bible calls 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world. Well, clearly, we would not be under bondage to somebody else if there was no need for a ransom. But if there was a need for a ransom, that means we were. We were in bondage because of sin. How I many know you've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God? What did the, the Ten Commandments prove to man? That you have a sin nature. That because of the fall, it has affected you. Has anybody here ever told a lie? Lift your hand if you've ever told a lie. If your hand's not up, I'll have an altar call for liars at the end of the service. Well, you know, Pastor, I had one guy tell me, you know, Pastor, I don't lie to people intentionally. I said, well, not everybody does. So honestly, I, I just call them white lies. Oh, okay. So let's say that for some reason you shot somebody and killed them, but you didn't do it intentionally. Do we call that a white murder? No. No. I said, a lie is a lie. There is no place in the Bible that says there's a white lie and a black lie. Satan's trying to convince you of that. Here's the truth. You've lied, proving simply this. you got a sin nature, but guess what? It's not to make you feel bad. It's to help you understand. That's why I need a Savior. I need somebody to ransom me from this old nature, come on, that was under the control of the world and therefore the God of this world, Satan. Now, if you don't believe that, well, I, I didn't serve Satan. God did. God said you did. Jesus said you did. Jesus looked at the Pharisees of his day and said, you're of your devil, the father, you're of the, excuse me, you're of the, your father, the devil. Why? Because that's who brought sin. That's who brought death. But thank God Jesus delivered you. I said, thank God he delivered you. Aren't you glad? Well, I think I'm good enough to go to heaven. Talk to God about that. Because God said there's only one good and it ain't you. Okay, how good you think you are, you're going to argue with God on that point. Because God said, well, there's only one good. And that's God. There ain't nobody else good enough to claim heaven. But thank God he's so good, he wants to take you there. Say, thank God he's so good, before you get there, he wants to deliver you from death here on earth. Now, realize those children of Israel, to go into their promised land, this is powerful when you understand the Passover and what God had waiting for them. In this promised land, all that they had need of to be able to walk in health, have provision, blessing, etc. A lot of people still think that represents heaven. No, there were still enemies there. And they had to be driven out. There are no enemies in heaven. Our promised land is here right now. If you go to Psalm 23, prophetic of the day you live in, the Bible says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. What's on that table? Everything you need. 
Everything you need. Your shepherd has already prepared a table. You know what the problem is? Most ain't looking at the shepherd and the table. They're turning around looking at the enemy. But you got to understand, you got to get your eyes off your enemy and all the stuff and look to Jesus and what he's provided. Amen? So he is that Passover lamb that has redeemed us. And if you look at this in Psalm 107, back in the first part of the psalm, verse 1, he tells you this relating to our Redeemer. Actually now, the reason tying back to what I just read about healing. Look at verse 1. Oh, give thanks again to the Lord. Tell me why. Shout it at me one time. Notice this. His mercy does what? It endures forever. What's his mercy mean? I'm not going to get what I deserve. How long is that going to last? Day after day after. If you're born again, you you won't see the punishment that others will actually have to endure and go through because they choose to reject what God offers them as a free gift of deliverance. Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Notice this, whom, watch this, he, God, has redeemed. Not going to, has redeemed. What's redeemed again? Has ransomed. He ransomed them from what? What did he ransom them from? Tell me out loud, please. He ransomed them from the hand of the enemy. This represents not only what he promised to do in the Old Testament with them, but it represents what Jesus did to redeem us, as you're about to see in the New Testament. So clearly, we, verse 2, the redeemed of the Lord, are supposed to do what? Now, I taught you this Wednesday night. I started teaching this Wednesday night. I want you to pay very close attention today because I want you to get this, okay? For you to walk in this victory that Jesus has given you, for you to walk in the blessing of liberty and freedom that Jesus has given you, there are several key things you're going to have to do, and here's one of them. You are going to have to declare that you are ransomed, redeemed by the Lord. This is the key. I want you to turn while I'm talking to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, I'll tie a New Testament verse with this. But to say once again, the redeemed of the Lord, he said clearly there, if you, back, if you go from the back verse up to what he said, if you start off with what he finishes with there, he said, I've already ransomed you from the hand of the enemy. What do you got to do? Say so. But it's not walking around just saying, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. That's a fact. That's true. But what did he say? The redeemed of the Lord. The redeemed of the Lord. Think about again what it means to be redeemed. Think about the word ransomed. If I'm acknowledging that I've been ransomed, what does that mean? Satan was once the Lord of my life. Now Jesus is the Lord of my life. The reason most Christians don't walk in victory in areas over their soul, mind, will, and emotions, and their body is because they don't claim it. They don't claim the liberty God gave them. And you don't do so by just saying, I'm free. How do you actually claim your liberty? What did he say? Let the redeemed of the... Let the redeemed of the... So in other words, what he's saying is, you have to acknowledge that you now have a new Lord. And anything that comes against you of death that clearly is of the old Lord now has no right to you, but you have to acknowledge the reason you don't have a right to me is because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over my spirit. Come on, church. Jesus is Lord over my soul, mind, will, and emotions. Jesus is Lord over my body. He purchased me. He bought me with the price. 1 Corinthians 6 even tells me and you as we looked at Wednesday night, I don't have time to go back to these verses, that he even purchased our bodies. Do you not know that your body is obviously something that belongs to the Lord, that he purchased it? I'm glad about that because that means he didn't leave my body out of the ransoming. He didn't just ransom my spirit. He ransomed my spirit, soul, and body. So if he ransomed all every part of you, what does that mean? Every part of me is no longer under the control of the enemy. 
unless I allow him through deception and seduction to make me think that I still am. The reason a lot of Christians still walk under rulership of death, of what death brings about relating to what we know in the earth of evil, the reason that happens, I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of people don't realize that they've been ransomed from it. They are still claiming. Well, you know, Pastor, everybody gets sick. Oh, I didn't know everybody had to get sick. According to the Bible, that's not what the New Testament says. Why would he bear your sickness and disease so that you still have to get sick? Sickness and disease is part of the work of death. Are you ransomed from it or are you not? It's your choice. You can say, well, I just believe everybody's, well, you know, it's flu season, you know, so I'll probably get the fluid. You probably will. I liken this to a story that Brother Hagin used to share. Uh, actually, excuse me, Dr. Sumrall, we heard it on, at our men's meeting on, uh, on Friday night. Uh, Dr. Sumrall had taken a whole group to Israel one time and a stop over in France at a, at a hotel there. On the way there, almost half of the people that were with them got sick. Some kind of whatever they ate in the food or whatever. Almost half of them got sick. So they're at the hotel, man. Can't hardly go anywhere yet. Can't do anything yet. These people can't even get, you know, hardly get out of their rooms. But the handful of them that came out of their rooms that came down the lobby, there was a young minister in this group of about 80 people. He wasn't sick, and they would walk up to him, and they'd start talking about their sickness. Let me help you. Talk about your sickness, and guess what you're going to walk in more of? What are you focused on? You're not focused on who the Lord of your life is. You're focused on now the sickness that you're claiming is your Lord. You listening? Who are you claiming is your Lord? Let the ransomed of the... So you got to acknowledge, hey, guess what, Satan? You're not Lord of my body anymore. Guess what, sickness and disease? You're not Lord of my body anymore. Guess what, mind, will, and emotions? You're not Lord of my body anymore. All you, all you enemies to my soul, will, and emotions, excuse me, all you depression, you're not, you're not Lord of my body. Jesus is Lord. But see, you have to declare it. You have to proclaim it or it won't work. God provided it, but you have to acknowledge it. You have to recognize it. So in this group, all these people that would come down to the lobby uh, from time to time, they would talk to this young minister at one point, and they'd start talking about all their, all their problems, all their, all their symptoms and stuff. So when they'd start talking about that stuff, you know what he'd say? I ain't going to get it. Amen. What do you mean you're not going to get it? I'm not going to get it. What do you mean you're not going to get it? Come on, we all go, I ain't going to get it. Why? Because in Jesus' name, I've been redeemed from that. I'm not going to get it. Finally, these people got so indignant, they went to Dr. Summerall. They said, you need to talk to this young minister. Because, man, he's not being very nice to all of us. He keeps saying he's not going to get it. Dr. Summerall looked at him and said, and he won't. That's right. And he didn't. He said, you know why? Because he's claiming he won't. He's claiming Jesus is Lord over his body. You're claiming the sickness and disease. I'm sorry you got the disease or whatever it is, but quit claiming it. All you do is talk about it. You don't talk about your Redeemer. You don't talk about who's Lord over your body. See, what you got to understand, it's like your home. If somebody comes in your home that doesn't belong there, guess what you got to do, folks? Don't talk about them. You listening? I mean, if you got an enemy who walks in your door, don't sit down and, and keep watching your TV with your family and say, man, aren't you all upset about this horrible enemy that's just walked into our house and has taken over everything? I just hate this enemy that's taken over everything, taking everything in our house. Man, they're eating everything out of the refrigerator, doing whatever they want, sleeping in our beds. I just don't like it. Let me help you. Don't talk about them. Kick them out. Preaching better than your amen. See, people don't understand. Talking about Jesus being the Lord of your life means he's supreme in authority over my spirit, soul, and body. Therefore, anything of death has no right to take advantage of my life and to therefore control my life. Well, I just don't believe that's possible. Then forget, just leave this message 
Take a nap. Don't snore. Wake anybody else up because this won't help you. But I'm trying to help you to understand God has redeemed you. Yes or no? He just said he's redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. Well, Old Testament pastor, thank you. Let's go to the new. 1 Peter chapter 1.13. If you're there, say amen. I said, if you're there, say amen. amen. Uh, actually, let's drop down for the sake of time. Short on time today, 17. Let's go directly to 17. If you call on the Father, watch this. If you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout your time here, the, of your stay here, in what? In fear. That doesn't mean that you're afraid of God. To call on the Father means I'm born again. I've made him my Father. How many have done that? So if you've done that, he's saying you need to live in a reverence towards your Father. What's what's a reverence toward my Father mean? I believe, listen carefully. What's what's a reverence toward my Father mean? I believe everything he said no matter what things look like. I believe who he says I am. I believe I can do what he says I can do. I believe that I can have what he says I have. I don't care what stuff looks like. You're showing more reverence for your father than you are the circumstances. But most Christians do the opposite. They show more reverence for their circumstances than the father. But if you do that, you're not going to walk in victory. Watch this. 18, do this knowing that you were, notice this, knowing that. You need to know this. need to know this. What do I need to know, Pastor? Knowing that you were not redeemed, what do you mean, ransomed, with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, passed down through the sin of Adam. 19, but what were you redeemed with? Underline it, the precious blood of Christ. Were you redeemed or not? Yes. Were you ransomed or not? Yes. Did Jesus pay a price for you spirit, soul, and body to have him lord over every part of your life? How's that going to work? You have to enforce it. You have to say, Jesus is now Lord. No, Satan, you're not going to control my thoughts. No, Satan, you're not going to attack my body. No, no. Jesus is Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord over my mind. Jesus is Lord over my spirit. You still have an enemy that tries to get in. You have to kick him out. Notice again, 19, what he's redeemed with, with what the precious blood... Of Christ, as of a lamb, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. There's the reference again to the Passover lamb. So the ultimate Passover lamb has come, and that Passover lamb came so that what? Tell me out loud. So death could pass you by. I'm going to put Brandy on the front row, and I'm going to wait till all the rest of you catch up today. Jesus, the Passover lamb, came, gave his life, shed his blood so that well, we can wait here, you know, for the next three hours till you get it if you want. I'm trying to help you. Jesus, your Passover lamb, gave his body, shed his blood so that. But it's not automatic. It wasn't for them and the children of Israel in, in, in Egypt. What did they have to do? Roast the lamb, eat every bit. That's you obviously feeding on the word. And then they had to apply the blood, say apply the blood. They couldn't just sacrifice the lamb and just look at the blood and say good enough. Oh, they had to apply it. You have to apply it. You have to apply the blood by acknowledging the lordship of Jesus over your life. And as you do, guess what happens? Death has to pass you by. You got a choice. You can be sick, depressed, fearful, frustrated, angry, and all those things that come about as a result of death. Or you can live under the lordship of Jesus, spirit, soul, and body, and walk in victory. Which do you want? Which do you want? So we got to know this. Say, I got to know this. We've got to know verse 18, 
You got to know what you were redeemed with. 19, the precious blood of Christ. The word precious means the most highly and valuable thing there is. So when Jesus shed his blood, what was he doing? Paying a price for you. Paying a price for you. What was he paying a price for you for? Go to Revelation again. Revelation 12. He was paying a price for you to be ransomed from what? Death. The work of what came as a result of sin. Name any kind of evil, anything that's not good. Remember what he said in Psalms 107? He said, all that men would give thanks to the Lord for what? He's good. He's not evil. So everything that's good clearly is what? Of God. Everything that would be evil is what? From Satan. Our old Lord. No longer my Lord. But if I allow him to deceive me and with my own words violate what the Bible says and not claim that I've been ransomed, guess what he can do? He can still have an impact on my life. Even though I've been delivered. Even though I've been set free. You know, think about this way. What if you took the time as a parent to be able to raise the money to provide something for your child of a college education, and then once they graduate high school, they don't go to college, that they don't get the benefit of what you paid for. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of Christians are living that way. Jesus paid a dear price for you to be ransomed from the work of Satan. What does that child have to do to get the benefit of what was saved up for them for college? You have to go apply it. You have to go take what you were given and go apply it. Go pay your tuition. Go to school. What do you got to do as a believer? You got to learn to apply this. You got to acknowledge what the word says, not what the devil says, not what your circumstances say. And you got to learn how to apply the blood. How do you apply the blood? I acknowledge he's Lord now. He's Lord over my spirit. He's Lord over my soul. He's Lord over my body. Amen. In the book of Revelation, we're told this directly as it relates to Satan himself and his works in relationship to what would happen once he was kicked down to the earth, but Jesus would provide a way out of this work of death. Watch this. Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 says that war broke out in heaven. This is, this is back when uh, Satan got kicked out of, the, out of heaven. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. That's Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought. That's all of his cohorts that have gone with him. Verse 8, but they did not what? What did they not do? Tell me out loud, please. They didn't prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. What's his goal? Guess what he's trying to do now with a believer? How's he trying to deceive you as a believer? Not get you to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. Not get you to claim what you've been given. Notice, he deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. His angels were cast out with him. Ten. But then I heard a loud voice. So later, guess what? Jesus came. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying what? Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. So here he refers in verses 7, 8, and 9 to the downfall of Satan and his demons. But in verse 10, he says Jesus did something about it. Salvation, as he refers to, is in the power of Christ alone. Salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God. What did Jesus say everywhere he went? Kingdom of our God's at hand. It's here. The kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have what? They've come, already come. Why? Why did they come? Watch this. For the accuser. For the accuser of our brethren, believers, 
who accused them before our God day and night has now been cast down. Guess what Satan's going to try to do? He's going to try to accuse you that you aren't healed. He's going to try to accuse you that you're still sick. You're still defeated. You can't overcome. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Look how you've lived your life. Look what you've done. Listen, it don't matter what I've done. You listening? If I acknowledge the lordship of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, I can kick that rascal out. Verse 11, notice this. How do we then overcome this onslaught of the accuser? They overcame him. This is, remember, 7, 8, and 9 is talking about when Satan was kicked out of heaven. Verse 10 is talking about when Jesus came to deal with it, which he did. I said he did. Verse 11 now applies to me and you. Because Jesus has already done what was needed. What do we do? They overcame him. Who? The accuser. Satan, the deceiver. They overcame him. How did they overcome? By the blood of the lamb. Come on, somebody. Notice, and the word of their testimony. And notice, they did not what? They did not love their life to the death. So let me explain something real quick out of these three things. If you've never been taught these three things, I've focused several series of messages just on these three things. But understand this. How do we overcome then when we're attacked by this enemy who does not have a right to be Lord over any part of my life? How do we overcome? One, you overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb. You have to understand the power of that blood. You have to understand. What did he say in 1 Peter? you got to know this. In your knower, in your heart, not your head. you got to get this in here. I know who's Lord. I know who ransomed me. I know whose blood was shed to ransom me, to free me. If you don't know that in your heart, you're not going to proclaim it. See, if all you do is listen to what I say, get it up here, and you go start saying it, it won't take long for the accuser to mess with you, get you to doubt it, get you to question it, guess what you do? You'll stop claiming that you have already been set free. So you got to know the blood of the Lamb has already done what's needed. There's nothing else God needs to do to deliver you from any aspect of death on this earth. He's already done it. He didn't say, you're going to be redeemed, or I am redeeming you. He said, you're redeemed. Already done. Say, it's already done. Say, the price has been paid. Let's lift a hand to him and thank God. Say, thank you, Lord. The price has been paid to free me from the rule of death. That's everything that's evil. That's everything that could affect you, spirit, soul, or body. Jesus, like, quote, unquote, the Passover lamb in Egypt, did what? Paid the price for death to pass them by. And now our Passover lamb has done the same. But how do we overcome? How do we walk in victory? One, blood of the lamb. So I've got to know in my heart, I've got to know the blood of lamb was all that was needed. It's not based on what I've done, what I haven't done. It ain't based on what Matt's done, what Joshua's done, what, what anybody else has done. It ain't based on what Don's done. It ain't based on what Ken's done. Guess what it's based on? One person. One person who shed his blood to free you. It's already done. And as long as you keep looking at circumstances as something that has to be done about it, you're not walking in the light of the blood of the Lamb. You won't overcome. How do we overcome? One, blood of the Lamb. I got to know that. How do I get to know that? You get in that New Testament and you keep learning of all of what that blood of the Lamb redeemed you from, set you free from, and you keep doing so till you get it in your heart and say, this is mine. This belongs to me. Jesus is Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord over my soul. Jesus is Lord over my spirit. Not the devil. Not the enemy. But I got to know the blood caused that to happen. Jesus, through his blood, purchased my spirit, my soul, my body, so he could be what? Lord. What's that mean? Let's talk about it. Supreme in authority. I'm not calling the shots anymore. You listening? 
If he's the Lord, guess who's calling the shots? He is. So that means, right back to what I've been saying for years, I now believe who he says I am. I now believe what he says I have. Why? He's calling the shots. I now believe I can do what he says I can do. Why? Because he's calling the shots. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. I'm preaching way better than this church's amen this morning. He's the Lord. He's already done all this. I at one time say, well, you just always ask for amens. Yeah, you ought to get excited want to accept it as yours. Every promise of God is yes. You're supposed to give your... I can't give your amen. I can try to get you to give one, but I can't give your amen. So I have to know that the blood of the Lamb has already done all that. If I know the blood of the Lamb has already done that, I got to apply it. So how do I apply it? Number two, how do you overcome? The word of your testimony. Now this is huge. This is huge. What are you testifying to? See, if you're testifying to what the blood did, you're testifying of Jesus being your Lord, guess what? You're going to walk in victory. If you're testifying of all your problems, all your issues, all your, yeah, but I, yeah, 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 this, this. Listen, honey, I understand. But but saying all those things is going to keep you there. Let, Let me say something to you really powerful. You ready? Keep saying what you see and you'll keep getting what you got. Just keep saying what you see. And believe me, down the road, you're going to have the same thing day after day after day. Why? Because you're not giving the word of your testimony what the blood did. Come on, somebody. Well, the blood can't deliver me from people on the earth. Sure they can. They can't deliver you from their presence, but guess what he can do? He can deliver you from any harm or hurt they can do to your life relating to how they can hurt you, what they say or do. Come on, man. Jesus was all, all the time spoken evil of. He didn't get offended. Paul didn't get offended. You know why people get offended? They don't understand that they have to recognize the blood of the Lamb has already purchased my freedom from anything of what any, anybody else would try to say to me being used by the devil. Amen. So why would I get offended? Why would I care what anybody on Facebook says? Some of you are not mature enough for Facebook and social media. If you would listen to your pastor, you won't. But if you'd listen to your pastor, you'd get off it. I'm serious. It is the devil's playground. If you're not a solid, mature, sold-out, strong believer, you don't need to be on social media. Well, there's a lot of good stuff there too, Pastor. Yeah, but how much of the bad stuff do you look at? How much of the bad stuff do you scroll by and look at and catch your, catches your eye and you read and start listening to it? Come on, somebody. Amen. Most Christians, I'm sorry, sorry to say, and there's some in my church, I'm just being, oh, I love you. If you, don't, if you don't want me to tell you the truth, man, you're in the wrong place. It's like your children raising your children, right? I thank God some of our children, some of our parents are smart enough to say with their kids, you don't need a phone yet. You don't need a cell phone. You don't need access to that stuff. If I need you, I'll get you. How many, you know, how, how many grew up without cell phones? Isn't it amazing when our parents needed us? They might have to jump in the car, right? Or run around the neighborhood, but they can find us. Are you listening? I'm telling you right now, most kids, young kids, don't need to have access to that stuff. That's right. I'm not telling you it's wrong if your kids got them, but you better really, you better really be a good governor over that phone and what's going on with that phone if you're giving them a cell phone. You just gave them access to every bit of evil that's out here on the internet and in this world. And again, most Christians that are honestly not even children, although children spiritually aren't even mature enough to handle it. Some Christians probably would do better to go back to an old flip phone. Get rid of your stinking smartphone. I got to have your smartphone. Why? Why do you have to have it? So I can look at what's on Facebook. Look, no, you don't. 
You know, you know, we live without all that stuff for years. And guess what? Golly Gomer, your pastor, 62 years old, is still here and didn't have any of that growing up. And I made it. Amen. I drank out of the water hose in the front of the house. Amen. I'm still here. I survived. You listening? I played football sometime without a helmet. I couldn't find my helmet, but I was not going to play football. <laughs> are you listening? Folks, I'm here to tell you something. You got to understand this. If you are going to continue, Lord, help me convey this. I don't think I'm doing a good job. If you don't understand your enemy and how he works, he's already taken advantage of you. Already. He's far smarter than most Christians. Sad to say. He's a good deceiver. And I'm not going to walk in the victory Christ has if I keep providing doorways. Listen to me. For him to enter my life. Right. So every time you have doorways open to the, for the enemy to enter your life, you better be a solid, true, mature believer that knows when he shows up and how to deal with it. Because he's already got enough access just you living in the world. Let alone all this other stuff. You listening? You need to be checking out what you're watching on TV. Some of you need to turn the TV off, get off YouTube, get off social media, go get in your Bible. You get a whole lot better help from your Bible than you would all that stuff. You start learning this stuff. That's right. Amen. Thank you for your amens about that. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, sad to say, man, the average Christian is a lazy believer. I didn't say you are. I just said the average. The average Christian is a lazy believer. Most Christians spend far more time on social media than they ever do on, on the context of the Word of God or what God has for them. Then they wonder why this stuff don't work. See, they just want to keep living their life the way they've always lived it. Can I help you? Yes. But they want a different outcome. Don't work that way. You keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you always got. You want a better outcome? You have to change something. You have to change. So thank God we can walk in liberty. Come on. Death can pass us by, but we have to apply that blood. So we got to know the blood of the lamb, what it's done for us too. How do I apply it? Word of my testimony. See, if you keep saying what you see, you're going to keep getting what you got. What's the word of my testimony say? Uh-uh, devil. Nope, 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 nope. You are not Lord over my body. Symptom of sickness. We're going to get into some of this tonight. You really want to hang on for how we're going to walk this out. Symptoms of sickness and disease. You have no right to live in me. You're not my Lord. That comes from Satan. I've been delivered from you. I command you. See, you have to use your authority. I command you to go from my body. Jesus is Lord over my body. Now, don't say that and then keep going doing stuff with your body you shouldn't do. You listening? I mean, it doesn't mean you might not ever do something you shouldn't do. I'm just saying don't be willfully going and doing stuff with your body, with your eyes and everything else that you shouldn't be doing, that you know you should, and then claim Jesus is Lord of my body. He is because he's ransomed you, but you need to act like it. Faith without works is dead. Somebody help me preach today. One, blood of the lamb. Say blood of the lamb. Two, word of my testimony. Say word of my testimony. So you have to declare what? His lordship. Over whatever area of your life. Why did he redeem you, church? Why did he redeem you? Don't answer that question because you don't know. I'm going to answer it for you. Why did he redeem you? You ready? To be your Lord. I've been explaining it to you all along. Why did he redeem you? To be your Lord. Supreme in authority. He did not redeem you to give you a ticket to heaven. He did not redeem you for you to keep living carnal and get everything that he has. It don't work that way. You're not walking by faith. He redeemed you to be your Lord. How do you get born again? Come on. Back to what we talked about several services ago. Romans 10, 13, you got to do what? Call upon the name of the Lord. The Greek wording says you have to invoke his lordship. You have to invoke him as Lord. Well, if he's Lord, what's that mean? He's supreme in authority. 
I mean, in the natural, quote unquote, you know, if Ken purchased my life, if I was an actual slave and he purchased me and wants to use me for whatever he wants, guess what? If it's legal, if it was still legal and he bought my life, I don't have a right to decide when I go to sleep. I don't have a right to decide when I get up. I don't have a right to decide whether I do something or don't do something. I'm talking about slavery was still legal. I'm glad it's not. But if slavery was still legal, I would have to submit to whatever he says because he's purchased me. I have to acknowledge that. Well, let me help you, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is a good God. Remember what Psalm 107 said? All that men would give thanks because he's what? Why would you be afraid to submit to his lordship? He's a good God. He wants to free you from death. But it don't work if you don't acknowledge the blood of the lamb and the word of what? Now, we're not done yet. There's a third one there. Come on, there's a third one. What's the third one? And you can't love your life to the death. What do you mean? So if you love your life, guess who you're living for? You. You're living for you. If, you love, if life's all about you being happy, if life's all about you, now listen, you can be happy, but in a spiritual way that's far beyond anything in the natural, and it'll change stuff in the natural. Right? Listen, Paul and Silas, man, they were beaten. How many of you have been beaten with rods for preaching the gospel? Let me see your hand if you've been beaten with rods. Oh, that hadn't happened to you. How many have been beaten with a cat of nine tails for preaching the gospel? Maybe that happened to you. No, that didn't happen to you. Okay. How many were stoned or left for dead for preaching the gospel? Happened to, literally, no joke, happened to the disciples. Happened to one of the disciples. But listen, Paul and Silas get beat for, for preaching the gospel and get thrown in prison. And listen, the prison they were in, this ain't like our modern day jails. They're in the dungeon part of the prison. They did not take good care of Christians. They hated them. What did they do? Put them in the lower parts of that prison. You know what's in the lower parts of the prison? All the sewage and all the garbage that comes from the city from rainwater and stuff that flows down in there. So guess what else is in there with them? All the rats and all the nasty stuff. And they're in stocks. They're locked in stocks. And in the midst of it, guess what they did? Oh, my God, Silas, I can't believe God's so horrible. Why are we here? We were just doing a good work for God, and look what happened. I'm shutting my mouth. I ain't saying nothing about Jesus anymore. I'm done with him. I've had it, man. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. I just can't believe somebody would do this to me, and I serve a good God, and he would allow this to happen. Let me help you, folks. You're in a fallen world. But that ain't what Paul said. That ain't what Silas said. Everybody wants the backside of the story, but they don't want to do what it takes to get there. What did Paul and Silas start doing? Started praising God. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks. Not because your circumstance is bad. Oh, give thanks because the Lord is what? He's good. And they started praising the goodness of their God. What are they doing? They're acknowledging his lordship. As they begin to praise the goodness of God, what happened, church? Come on, what happened? What happened? What happened? Nobody read the story? The place shook. The cell doors flew open and their stocks flew off of them. Whether that was angels standing there to do it, God doing it, I don't care. You listening? Everybody wants the freedom, but they don't want it takes to face the challenge to believe what God said to do to get free. So death tried to take a hold of them, but guess what? They knew about the blood. They had a word of their testimony and they weren't loving their lives. They were serving Jesus. They're going to love them. They're going to do whatever that he wants them to do. And because they didn't love their lives to death, guess what they did? They started praising God. If you love, how do you know if you love your life or not? You're praising you. <clears throat> I'll leave that set for a little while. You're not praising God in the midst of the storm. You're praising you. Well, I'm not praising me. I'm talking about all my problems. You're praising you. You're acknowledging you. You're dealing with you. But when you start acknowledging your God, Lordship as your God over your life, guess what happens? That stuff starts going. Prison doors start opening. Healing starts manifesting. 
Can I get it better? Amen. Amen. Isn't it cool that everybody in that prison got the same result? Yes. All the prison doors flew open. All of them did. Not just theirs. God is a liberator, not, a one, who, not one who puts us in bondage. Can I get a better amen? amen? The only way we're going to walk in victory and health and healing and in any aspect of our life over death is we've got to do what? We've got to understand what the blood of the Lamb did. We've got to have the word of our testimony in line with that. And we can't love our lives to the death. Because again, if you love your life to the death, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep backing out of what you should be saying and you're going to be claiming what the problem is. How do I know if I love my life? You're talking about your problem. How do I know if I love him and I don't care about my life? You're talking about your God. I'll say that second time in case you didn't get the first time. How do I know I'm loving my life? You're talking about your problem. How do I know I don't love my life to the death all the way till I die? How do I know that? I'm talking about my God. I don't talk about my problem. I claim the lordship of Jesus. And guess what? My problem has to change. Come on, somebody. Peace has to come. Healing has to manifest. Romans chapter 4. So here's where it gets challenging, sadly, for believers. Romans chapter 4. To claim the lordship of Jesus is the redeemed of the Lord saying so. What are we saying again? He's Lord. We're not saying we're redeemed. That's that's a given. I said that's a given. You can say you have no right to me because I've been redeemed. But why am I claiming it? I'll tell you why I'm claiming This is where you got to get this. I want to get this across to you. It's not just claiming my liberty. No, it's claiming what? The lordship of Jesus over my life. Because when you acknowledge the lordship of Jesus over your life, guess what? Everything else has to go. But it's you acknowledging his lordship. Not just saying you're redeemed. You're, you're the redeemed of the... You're the redeemed of the... And you got to say so. You got to say so. Attack comes on your body. You know what you say? All right, disease, sickness, whatever it is, pain, suffering, you don't have a right to be here. You're not my Lord. Come on. You're not my Lord. You're part of death. Death has to pass me by. Jesus is Lord over my body. I command you to go. You're trespassing. See, if you don't address it and deal with, deal with it in faith of what Jesus did, then you'll take it in. And sadly, you'll have to deal with something that you don't have to. You can get free from it. Romans 4 gives us a clue into this. Very critical for me and you to understand this as it relates to what we're talking about in claiming what we know of the lordship of Jesus, the redemption of our lives. Romans 4, 17, because this is what faith is all about. Putting faith in the blood that Jesus shed. How many know it was more than enough? But do you really believe in it? See, that's the key. Do you really put faith in it? If you do, you're claiming his lordship. Watch this, 17. As it is written... God speaking about Abram here, I've made you a father of many nations. Before he ever had a child, God's already saying, I've made you. Before you ever got born again, God said, I've redeemed you. Before you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he already paid the price and he already called you the redeemed. So I've made you, God said to Abram, the father of many nations, in the presence of him, God, whom he, Abraham, believed. Notice, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is what faith does. Your God's a faith God. We'll see more of this tonight. If your God's a faith God and you want to walk in what your God has for you, you've got to imitate your father. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Why? Because he's not looking at what the problem is. He's not looking at the challenge. He's looking at what he wants to see happen. So in verse 18, it goes on to say, who, talking about Abraham again, contrary to hope, natural hope, because he was 100 years old, 
unable to have children. Sarah had been barren. So in the context of natural hope, there was no hope here. But he got hope in God. Not his body. Not Sarah's body. Who contrary to hope and hope, what did he do? Tell me. Tell me what he did. Believing's not enough. Believing's not enough. You could actually believe and still not experience what God has for you. Well, I don't believe that, Pastor. I'm going to show you tonight. There was a guy in the New Testament who had the faith to be healed. He believed, but he wasn't healed yet. Even though he had faith to be healed. Because believing is not enough. What do you got to do? You got to apply the blood of the Lamb. You got you to apply the word of your testimony. You listening? You can't just believe the blood was enough. You got to also do what? You got you to testify. You got to declare. You got to act upon what the word says. The Bible's clear. Well, pastor, come on. The Bible said all things are possible to him who believes. Mark 9, 23. You're correct. Read it again. All things are possible. It didn't say all things just happen. It said all things are possible to him who believes. If you're a believer, guess what? All things are possible. But how do I get it as a reality? I have to give my testimony. I have to testify to the Lordship of Jesus. I have to exercise the faith God gave me. Notice verse 18 again, who contrary to hope and hope he believed, so that he became what? The father of many nations. It happened. According to what was spoken, not what he saw, what God had said. So shall your descendants be. 19, watch this. Not being weak in faith, underline it, he did not do what? So I want to close this morning giving you two vital keys to understanding walking in this liberty, acknowledging Jesus as Lord. How did he acknowledge the lordship of God's word over his life in the time it was spoken? He did not consider his own body. Apply that to any situation. If you're dealing with physical healing, if you continue to consider your body, whether you're healed or not, let me help you. You won't get healed. A lot of people in the area of healing physically, they'll come and get prayer. What are they basing their faith on whether it worked or not? How they feel. Let me help you. You're not going to get healed. You're considering your body. Faith doesn't consider the circumstance. Faith doesn't consider the body. Faith is not based on what's going on in the natural. Your faith ain't based on what your body tells you or doesn't tell you. Well, I got prayed for I didn't feel anything. It has nothing to do with it. See, most people don't even realize sometimes they may come up during a time that the Lord says have people come up, anoint them with oil. We may do this tonight. Anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith over them. So you do. And initially they'll walk away and the Holy Spirit's already at work starting to heal their body. But guess what? Before they get to the door, all of a sudden, ooh, there's the pain. Ooh, I still feel the, I guess I didn't get it. And you never will because you're considering your body. That's not what faith does. When you consider your body, whatever it's dealing with, or the circumstances, whatever you're dealing with, what are you focused on? You're focused on the wrong Lord. You're focused on the wrong Lord. If I'm focused as Jesus is Lord, guess what I consider? What he said. What he say? By his stripes I'm going to be. By his stripes I'm what? We are. We are healed. That's what he said. If I consider what he said, I'm not considering my body. I'm not considering my circumstances. Therefore, you won't hear me talking about it. And you won't hear me magnifying it. Doesn't mean I might not acknowledge, okay, yeah, I might be dealing with something. But guess what? That's changing. Because it's not Lord of my body. Can I get a better amen? 
I'm going to show you for stuff later on in this series. I'm going to show you for stuff that has like been long-term things in your body. How do we get rid of it? Most of the time, it's not going to be a prayer. You'd already be healed. Amen. But I'm going to show you how. Amen. God gave you medicine for it. Amen. You just got to learn to take it. Watch this. So shall your descendants be, he told him. 19, not being weak in faith again. He was not weak in faith. Why? Why was he not weak in faith? He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And he did not consider what? The deadness of Sarah's womb. He considered nothing in the natural. All that was true. Sarah was, was unable to have children. He was almost 100 years old. Is that what he focused on? But that's what the devil wants you to focus on. 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through what? Unbelief. But he was strengthened the faith doing what? You know why? You know why he was praising God? You know why he was? I'll tell you why. Because he knows God's good. And because he knows God's good, he knows God doesn't lie. Because he knows God doesn't lie, guess what he was doing? Focusing on what God said. Focusing on his God, not what his body said. Go to Hebrews 12 in closing this morning. I want you to get this. To walk in this position of acknowledging Jesus as Lord of your life, you're going to have to do two things. One, you're not, you have to make sure you do not consider the natural. You're not going to walk in the lordship of Jesus over your body, lordship over your mind, lordship over your spirit. You're not going to walk in the benefit of that if you don't, number one, learn to stop considering what you see, what you feel, what you hear. If you focus on what you see or feel or hear in the natural, you're not going to focus on Jesus' lordship. Whose lordship are you focusing on? Satan's. The one that's tormenting you. You cannot consider that. If that's what you consider, you'll never see the blood of Jesus work. You'll never see the lordship. Because what you're doing while you're saying Jesus is Lord, but you're looking at the problem, guess what you're doing? You're not acknowledging in the relationship to Jesus, he's truly the Lord, because you're still giving credit and you're still giving uh, attention to what you're seeing in the natural, what the enemy's trying to do. I prepared you a table, Psalm 23, in the presence of your enemies. Guess what you need to do? Turn back to the table. Turn away from your enemies. Turn away from what Satan's trying to do in your life. This, Brother Hagin said in the area of healing physically, he said this is the hardest thing to get Christians to do. We're so governed by what we see, by what we feel, by everything around us. But to walk by faith, you can't be governed by that. So you can't consider what you see. So what then do we have to do? Number two, you do have to consider something. What do we consider? Are you in Hebrews 12 yet? Look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. If you're born again, guess what he did? He began this faith walk with you. Guess what he'll do? He'll help you finish it. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Who notices for the joy that was set before him? The joy? What was set before him? The cross. How in the world would anybody look at being crucified as a joy? How would anybody look at the cross? Come on. How would anybody look at the cross as a joy? Let me help you. He wasn't looking at the cross. He wasn't looking at the nails. That were going to go in his hand. He wasn't looking at the nails. That's not his focus. He is himself the son of God and walks like God. God taught Abraham to walk like him. Don't consider what you see. 
Guess what Jesus did not consider? The cross. He didn't look at the pain of it. He didn't look at that. Guess what he did? He looked beyond it. You know what he saw? You. You. He saw himself resurrected in glory beyond the... He knew it was going to happen. He tried to tell his disciples over and over and over again. They didn't get it. But he knew. I said he knew. And his toughest time of the battle where Satan wanted to get him to look at the natural, what did he do? He went and spent time with God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Guess what you need to do? Get off social media. Start spending some time with God. Get your focus on God. Because that's what he did. And he came out of there stronger than what he even went in. And when he came out of that, he didn't look at the cross. Guess what he looked at? He was looking beyond it. The joy was not... You think, the, you think it's going to be a joy to have nails run through your arms? You think it's going to be a joy to have nails run through your feet? No, that ain't a joy. Well, what was the joy set before him? What was coming after it? The resurrection that would take place beyond it. Man, that's a good place to shout amen right there. Because he was looking at you. Look to Jesus. Look unto Jesus, verse 2. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. He didn't look at it. He just went through it. He overcame it. I said he overcame it. Jesus overcame the cross. The cross didn't overcome him. But sadly, a lot of people are overcome by problems because they don't do what the Bible tells them. He endured the cross, even despising the shame, but he then did what? At the end of all of it, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So because he did that, look at the first part of verse 3. For consider him. Consider him. What am I not to consider? What I see. What I feel. What, what thoughts are attacking my mind. What stuff is attacking my body. Stop considering that. Consider what? Him, Jesus. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. How do I, what's that mean? I'm considering what he did to be the Lord of my life Amen. as the Passover lamb so that death would have to... So that death would have to... That's what I'm considering. I'm considering the blood. I'm considering the body. I'm considering Jesus. So here's the two things you got to do, church. Here's the two things you got to do to walk in healing, to walk in deliverance from death in any way in relationship to what you're applying of your testimony. You can testify he's Lord, but guess what you got to do? You got to not consider what you see. Amen. So number one, you can't consider what you see. But what do you consider? You got to consider something because if you don't consider something, guess what? You're going to wind up considering what you see again. What are you supposed to consider? Him. Jesus, how do I do that? How do I consider Jesus? How do I do that? There's multiple ways. But the primary way, you consider the Word of God. He's the Word. You go to the New Testament. You find out what He said He did for you. You find out what He did to accomplish what He needed to do to free you, to over, overcome death, to become the Lord of your life in every area, to help you defeat all wrong thinking, to help you defeat every sickness, to help you defeat every disease, every attack of evil that would come against you. That's what you consider what the Bible says He did, not what you're going through. Can I get a better amen? Amen. And to do so, I now acknowledge he's Lord and I don't consider. I can acknowledge Jesus as Lord, but what if I'm still considering my problems? He ain't going to be acknowledged it long. 
You're going to go back to looking at your problem and confessing the problem. You know what, what really truly is a telltale sign, sadly, for a lot of Christians when you get around them? All they do is talk about their problems. I wish they'd get this message, and I wish they'd listen to it about 1,500 times until they got it in their spirit. Because if all you do is ever talk about your problems, that's why you're having all these problems. Now, I'm not saying you're creating them necessarily. I'm just telling you, you're not going to walk in victory over them because you're not doing what? You're not acknowledging the Lord of your life. You're acknowledging the problem, which is coming from Satan in some way, is affected by the evil of this world, and therefore you're recognizing his lordship instead of Jesus's. And you keep focused on all the problems, all the stuff you're going through. Yeah, but it's hard. Think about how hard it was for Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just have spikes nailed in his hands and spikes nailed in his feet. We don't understand this. We, we can't conceive this. But on that cross, guess what else he bore? All the wrath of God. The wrath that's coming in the tribulation period, he bore every bit of that. God inflicted every bit of wrath he had on him to pay the price for our sin. You can't even begin to imagine what that was like. Can I get a better amen? But he didn't consider it. That's not what he looked at. He saw the victory. Amen. He saw the other side. That's right. And what are you supposed to consider? You're a victor. Well, I'm a victim. No, you're not. You're a victim because you've allowed devil to make you one. That's right. You listening? But you're not. You're a victor according to Jesus. Who are you going to believe? But I will promise you this. If you don't take time to fellowship with him in the word and stay in the word, you're not going to consider him. So one, how do I consider him? I acknowledge what the word says. I stay in the word of God. I feed on the word of God. I declare what the word of God says that I have. He's Lord over my life. This is why he said so in this area of my life. The Bible's clear. He's already healed me. Thank you, Jesus. He's Lord over my body. Disease and sickness, you ain't staying. But I'm not focusing on you. I'm going to deal with you one time. I'm going to tell you to go. And then I'm going to stay focused on what? I'm going to stay focused on my Savior, on my healer. Jehovah Rapha. Come on. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my physician, the Lord. You got a great physician, man. You got the best physician available. You listening? But if you focus on the problem, this is what Brother Hagin says. It's so hard to get people not consider their bodies when it comes to healing. So one, how do I consider him? By acknowledging the word, declaring it, decreeing it. Two, what's another way I can acknowledge him? What did Paul and Silas do? What What did Psalm 107 say to do? Praise the Lord because he's what? Oh, you're so good, Lord. That you've already paid the price to free me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to be. 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 Say, I'm not going to be. Come on, say it. I'm not going to be. Delivered from death. Already am. Which is every work of evil. And literally, like Paul like Peter, like James, like John, you can go through what evil tries to do to you, but guess what? It don't affect you. It don't stop you. It don't keep you from walking out what God has for you. You walk in victory as a child of God. Everybody wants the victory, but they don't understand that you got to recognize and acknowledge what Jesus did for you to get it. And if you don't, you're acknowledging the wrong Lord. Wrong Lord. Jesus is now Lord of your life if you let him be. It begins with salvation. The moment that you acknowledge that I know without a doubt as a sinner, what do the Ten Commandments reveal? A need for a Savior. Again, anybody told a lie? Let me see your hand. Uh-oh. Has anybody ever used the name of the Lord in vain as a form of a cuss word? 
Another violation of a commandment. Has anybody ever dishonored your father and mother, said things against them? Uh-oh. See, these commandments weren't given for you to feel bad about yourself. They were to reveal the need of a Savior. That's what people don't understand. Romans 3.10 says the purpose of the law, the Ten Commandments, was to do what? Lead us to Jesus. This is why it came. He's proven to you, you need me to get free from that. All these things reveal is that's a result of the sin nature that's inside you. If you'll receive me as the Lord of your life, I can remove that sin nature. I can take that out of you. And I can ultimately deliver you from those things. Aren't you glad? Stand to your feet. Praise God. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.